Hello, data enthusiasts. This is Chris Detzel, and I'm Michael Burke. Welcome to Data Hurls. We are your gateway into the intricate world of data, where AI, machine learning, big data, and social justice intersect. Expect thought-provoking discussions, captivating stories, and insights from experts all across the industries as we explore the unexpected ways data impacts our lives. So get ready to be informed, inspired, and excited about the future of data. Let's conquer these data hurdles together. All right, welcome to another Data Hurdles. I'm Chris Detzel and... I'm Michael Burke. How you doing, Chris? I'm good, Michael. Really good. It's really hot again here in Dallas. I'm going to say that probably every episode. <laughs> well, you guys have been having some of the worst heat waves, like, historically, right? You're hitting historical records right now, so... Yeah, we were at 108 the other day, and I was like, geez. I mean, I went outside to take out the trash, and I thought I was going to, like, melt or something. I was like, geez, I'm dying, so... <laughs> Yeah, and I'm I'm I've been like heads down. I don't even think I've noticed what the weather's been the last week. I just started a new role at Boston Venture Studios. I'm really excited about it. Congratulations! Uh, thanks. Yeah, we can talk more about it at a later point. But um, ramping yeah. up and learning at a new organization, you know, getting your feet wet, being the new guy on the totem pole again, it is so much work. And you always think, you know, I always know when I'm coming into a new role that it's going to be like that. But it's you don't feel it until it actually hits you, right? Um, you're like, yeah, oh, it's, it's, how? but there's a lot to learn here. <laughs> yeah. And I'll say this and we'll get started, but is anytime you go to a new company, it's like, you're the brand new person and you don't know anything about what's going on. And before you were the guy that knew everything that's go- going on, or at least you were the expert in that thing. Now you kind of feel like, you know, you're just learning all over again. So it's kind of a fun, but yet scary experience, I assume. Yeah. yeah I mean, Scary? No, I think that you know I'm used to not knowing things. I'm definitely yeah. never the smartest person in the room in the AI space. So, uh, you know, I think it's really, it is really just you know, getting a handle on things, um, realizing your working relationships, understanding the people you're going to be working with, how we engage. Everything is always different. A different flavor of the same stuff, right? Kind of like MVM, right? It's the same stuff, different day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Today. Uh, we're going to talk uh, on a topic around regulating tomorrow, so navigating AI's ethical frontiers. And you came up with this, Michael, so I'm, yeah. I'm interested to hear more. So we've done some talks about AI and um, you know GDPR and some of the new regulations that are coming out. But this one I was really excited to talk about because of all of the changes in how companies are thinking about regulation and safety right now with large language models. And even the government, you know, there was an article that came out earlier today about large tech companies coming together with the government to kind of collaborate on how they could do things better, how they could possibly identify content that was created by large language models like watermarking techniques and, you know, how they can better ensure safety, right? So I think that this is Everybody is starting to experience and feel this. There's a lot of risks and benefits that we can dive into on large language models in particular, um, but really generated content and AI generated content in general. Where is this going in the world and how is the US and really the world going to manage these new technologies in a way that's meaningful and still provides governance and control? Yeah, so... That leads me to my first question. How do you, how have governments historically approached, you know, the re- regulation of emerging technologies and how does AI development differ 
in this context? Because I assume it's pretty different. Yeah. So when you think about every other law that's been passed so far, every other regulation, the U.S. and the world has been very slow to act, right? You know, mm-hmm. bad things happen with data. Also, really good things happen with data. Bad things happen with AI. Really good things happen with AI. And the government is like, you know, one, two, three years behind in setting polity and policies and precedent. And we already knew this was a problem, right? With things like, you know, Facebook and uh, Cambridge Analytica. And things are moving a lot faster, right? And there's less people in the loop. But now with large language models, we're seeing that, you know, the acceleration of these kind of distributed technologies that leverage AI could have impact on an entire country or the entire world almost instantly, right? And so the U.S. government and and the world really need to take more of a proactive approach to, you know, these rapid advancements and really, you know, thinking about how they can better predict where things are headed and build regulation around that. Yeah, I have a question around that because, you know, as you said, when you look at Meta and all these other, let's say, um, uh, social platforms, when you look at the government just in the U.S., I remember when Mark Zuckerberg and uh, others were on the hot seat talking to the government and the government asked some some of the dumbest questions I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not trying to make fun, but it was hard for me to listen to, right? And and so I can imagine like, because and, it's, and the reason is because they weren't educated enough. They didn't understand it enough. Now, maybe they're asking better questions because they're bringing in experts to help them understand it better or having them ask those questions. But I can imagine it's in the same way as AI even worse because, you know, trying to understand how AI works and those kinds of, is, is got to be extremely confusing. So what role do you think governments should play in regulating the AI development? I mean, Knowing that they're not that smart about it. it. It's, it's such a, it's a tough question because, right? Like you've got a, t- a ton of people that are trying to get caught up on new technologies that people like you and I are living in in a day-to-day life. And not only that, but I think that every regulation and policy that government enacts, right, they have to think about the repercussions, you know, 30, 40 years down the line. So this kind of traditional way of, you know, seeing how things pan out and being less proactive and listening and kind of evaluating the impacts before passing regulation was done with a real justification and reason because these laws and policies take a long time to push through and to pass and they have to be they have to stand the test of time right on how they operate so you know in my opinion there has to be more of a hybrid approach right you see the eu taking a much more regulated stance on this stuff Um, the u.s typically hasn't been as regulated right they've prioritized innovation and industry and growth and there are trade-offs to both of those right but in my opinion, government should really act more as facilitators that are setting more of a conductive environment for AI um, and, and allowing innovation, right? But establishing better ethical guidelines and repercussions for crossing those guidelines, right? It is a balancing act. You're setting policies that, if not set carefully, will stunt and limit innovation, Um 
So I think the big things are really trying to look at all of the use cases and the edge cases of these AI systems and try to figure out what impacts do they have on safety and privacy and fairness and backing off like who should be responsible when something goes wrong, right? Yep. And how do we evaluate these circumstantial situations? Is it a case-by-case -case thing or do we set broad sweeping regulation to help limit some of these risks? Um, you know, it's a tough conversation. You know, like it's a, it's a, because I mean, what is the right answers and how do you regulate this stuff? You know, like without, you know, saying, look, innovation is key, but yet you can't do this, that, or the other, <laughs> you know? Well, and the other thing is, right, these, these new technologies and these, this innovation is providing tremendous amount of value too for the world, yep. right? It's unlocking things that, it's not just producing bad. I would say that the bad far outweighs the the good far outweighs the bad. And if you think about it, if you follow and 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 implement too much regulation, what you're actually doing is is this technology is here, right? So bad actors are going to use it, criminals are going to use it, you know, innovators and people who want to help people and make the world a better place are also going to use it. If you put too much regulation on innovation, the ones that are going to follow it are the people that are already following the rules. The bad actors are going to continue to exploit. They don't care about laws or the repercussions of laws, and they're still going to get out there, right? So I think the real challenge is how do you control both in a manageable way? And how do you set policies that define repercussions but don't stunt innovation? How do you think uh, governments can strike a balance between you know, fostering AI innovation and ensuring ethical and responsible AI deployment. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> again, this is tricky because our goal as innovators and tech creators is to get things out into the world as fast as possible, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that one of the ways that you really could help enhance the use of ethical guidelines and safety is by providing incentives for doing so, right? And, you know, if you think about what if an organization was commercially or financially incentivized to have these foundations built into their technology, well, then you're not trying to be a command and control organization where you're, you know, passing regulations that will impact everybody in a negative way. Um, but you're also you know, allowing certain companies that do follow these practices to be rewarded because of that. I think also collaborating with developers um, to define better ethical standards and frameworks, right? There really hasn't been guidelines on what you should and shouldn't do set by a, a government or a organization. There's a couple that are starting to emerge, right? And these large tech organizations working with the government is a really good first step. But I think that when you think about who are the people that are going to have the most impact on the world at building these large language models, and image generation models, right? They cost billions of dollars to train. So there's really only a handful of organizations that can build them anyways. It's up to them to really implore how they're going to define with the government, the ethical standards and the frameworks set in place to allow innovation, but also prohibit some of these bad use cases that we see. One of the things that you mentioned was collaborating with AI developers. How do you, you know, how do you find these AI developers and how, what's the best ways to collaborate? You know, I, I'm a big community guy. 
And so yeah. I know developers love community. It's it's crazy how, you know, these these guys just are in it. They share a bunch of information and things like that. What's the best way to kind of do that and, and that you found? Yeah. So, I mean, look at like in any organization that's doing AI at scale. And, you know, we've done this at every organization that I've worked at. We sit down as a team and we try to understand not just what we should and shouldn't do based off of policy and regulation, because those are fairly vague for the most part, but how do we want to lead our innovation and what is our ethical compass, right? Like what do we believe is the right things that we should be using technology for and which things do we want to avoid? Um, and I think this is a really important to have at the uh, conversation to have at the executive level of how are we going to enable AI? Is this exploitative or is this really going to be an empowering technology that betters a product and a customer? And companies do both, right? Across the, the world, you're seeing that. Um, uh, it, you know, Knowing which direction you're headed and why and having alignment on that early on is critical um, to acting and reinforcing that those ethical standards when you do come up against something that's more challenging that you need to make a decision on. So it's quite interesting. As I kind of look at the last five months, basically since we've been doing this podcast since February, is AI has exploded even more so than it did when you and I first talked about AI technologies or like a chat GPT or whatever, you know, and all these companies are coming out with these nice little large language models that you can do all this kind of cool stuff, whether it's creating, um, you know, pictures or even better large language models that you can do essays or whatever on, right? You know, you can upload documents and it will just tell you this whole thing about a PowerPoint presentation or a, you know, or a transcript or whatever. Do you think these companies have been looking at regulations since then? Or, I mean, are they even thinking about it? They're coming out so fast. They don't give a shit, you know? I mean, I I don't know. Companies are trying to use their best judgment and okay. and their priorities on what they value to drive innovation. And you're seeing some companies moving slower than others, maybe not because they don't have the same technology, but because they're trying to understand and weight the impacts of releasing that technology um, without just throwing it out into the wild. You're seeing other organizations do that and some of the repercussions coming up. So like anything else, like a business is a commercial entity. It's competing against a market yeah. and that market has accelerated, right? So it is a really difficult time to wait all of those difficult decisions and really decide what to expose to the world, you know, because take into account that these technologies have been around for years. This, you know, we're yeah. seeing the traction in it this year, but for the last three to four years, we have seen these technologies at scale functioning, right? But, um, so like anything else, the edge cases don't come out until you have this, you know, virality associated with any kind of new tech. I guess that's and, true. When you start looking at like, you know, some of the social stuff, I mean, social has been popular for a really long time until somewhat recent, the last few years, have you started seeing, seeing rules and regulations come out, whether it's, you know, GDPR or, you know, uh, people's data, you know, people you know, getting the people's data from, you know, different ads and digital ads and things like that because they're starting to understand it better, but it's taken a long time. So with that said, you know, and I'm interested in some, you know, maybe examples of maybe AI regulations implemented by governments. Have you seen 
seen any of those? And if so, what are some of the impacts within the AI industry? I mean, countries are starting to get smart and they're starting to want to protect their uh, citizens in different ways. Yeah. GDPR is a great example, right? I mean, D GDPR in itself, it's not perfect. There's tons of, of problems that still need to be ironed out. Sure. But, uh, you know, from my opinion, at least holistically, it was done with the right intentions and the right mindset of protecting citizens and their information because it has become something that is completely out of control. Yeah. And at some point you see people being exploited to a point where, um, you know, it's having a negative impact on your country and it's not in isolated pockets or in certain situations, it's a broad sweeping issue. Um, so although I think that GDPR has, I don't agree with everything, especially a lot of the stuff that's come out recently around large language models. I do think that, um, holistically what they've done to try to protect their citizens data with things like right to forget and more transparency, uh, and authority over what can be shared and why is a step in the right direction. And I think that every organization needs to get smarter on describing and uh, in layman's terms, how data is being used uh, within their organization to their consumers, right? And consumers are getting smarter too. They're asking the right questions. They're starting to not put in all the information that's not mandatory to sign up for a service, right? Or you know, protecting themselves because all of these terrible things from data breaches like identity theft and you know, stolen credit cards, almost everybody you know has been impacted in one way or another by these these painful experiences. And these are the things that we want to prevent, you know, by protecting I, people's data. I feel like large language models opens up a whole new privacy opportunity, you know, for um <laughs> for this. So I mean, if it and and I'm I'm curious because I'm sure you know like when I put information out there about, you know, I don't, I don't know, if I'm asking, um, you know, chat GPT or one of those large language models some questions or if I get personal on different things or I'm uploading different things into that, it takes it and it owns it now. Like it has it, all the information there, right? It's not deleting anything. It's holding it somewhere, has it somewhere. It's kind of like, you know, it's scraped the internet. Now... People have access and just seeing whatever they want and putting everything in there. And it's also soaking that up, right? Yeah. You know, so that to me is, if you call it privacy, but it could be, you know, like if I'm putting, you know, stupid stuff in there, like, you know, what is my, my social security number is this and this and that and the other. I mean, I wouldn't recommend that, but it is taking all that information you have or that you're putting in it and just learning from it, I assume. Yeah, and I think that also am, am I am I out of it? Is that wrong? You know, I don't know. No, no. I mean, I think that there are some regulations and and practices that even you know OpenAI have started to put in where you can delete your data. Um, but I think that at a larger scale, one of the big problems that you're highlighting is that we don't know where this data is going when most corporations yeah. collect it, and you don't know if it's being sold ten times to twenty different companies, right? You don't know if it's being shipped between organizations and a larger entity. Um, and you also don't know because of that when there are breaches, when you've been exposed to risk, um, who's doing what with that information. And to me, if you think of data as kind of power of information and you know your privacy as a right that you should own 
And um, and when you give your information to a company, you should have at least a relative understanding of what they're using it for, right? Yeah. And if it's going in all these odds and ends directions, you know, that's creating a lot of pain and damage to customers and and to citizens. And that's why there has been all this regulation and company and organizations like um, the EU, countries like the EU that have implemented GDPR. You know, China is also another area where they've implemented guidelines, fairly strict guidelines, actually, with AI and ethical reviews. Um, you know, tons of different concerns at both the state and the national level, you know, maybe for different priorities. But at the same point, um, organizations and countries are starting to be more transparent and also set more regulation and policy on how they can protect their citizens. How do you think governments can ensure that AI regulations remain flexible and adaptable to keep up with the rapidly evolving technology landscape? I mean, I think that like any government, we need to move faster, much faster. And how do we do that? We have to invest in building out more progressive teams um, that can pivot quickly and innovate on how to explore and deploy regulation and policy. You know, inviting large corporations to collaborate in the discussions, I think is a really good idea. In a lot of these cases, they're the ones that are defining a lot of this new innovation. It should be part of their duties as new innovation comes out to help define better regulation and to work with government that. officials. I think also just, you know, the rate at which we update regulations to reflect the latest things that are happening needs to move faster. It should be an assessment that's reviewed, you know, quarterly, not, you know, every decade, right? Which it seems like what it is today. Um, and then again, like engage the brightest minds on how, you know, reach out to the commercial entities that have all of this talent and work with them to help stay informed on these emerging trends, work with your regulators, educate people to get more of this cohesive partnership forming, right? You know, it does, it never will work if regulators don't understand the technology that's coming out. And so they need to rely on these brightest minds to help inform them on these technologies and what kind of safety and mitigation they can implement. I think that's yes. a big piece to it as well. Yeah. yeah. It does feel like, so I, I'm with you. I mean, governments are just too slow, especially you. I mean, maybe all governments are slow and just don't understand the technologies and, and things like that. And, and, you know, it could be the age of the people running the government, right? You know, I mean, if you're, 80 years old and this is all new to you, it's it's just not going to be easy to really to understand. Anyways, I, I digress a little bit, but I, I agree with you. But I also think that, um, um, you know, it does feel like that you're kind of trying to do it because they are working with Meta and some of these other big companies. So it, it does sound like they're trying to get ahead of it a little bit as best they can. So we'll see, I guess. Um do you think that governments should focus on specific technical aspects of AI or emphasize principles and guidelines for AI developers? I think they should emphasize both, right? We need to continue to establish ethical principles um, and at the same point address technical risks and requirements equally. Um, you know, ethics, it, it is such a great area that it is challenging right now because we're moving at a rate that a lot of the regulations will never be able to catch up because there is, you know, maybe 10 people or a hundred people in the country that are defining these new technologies. 
how could any regulatory body govern those or predict any kind of um, you know regulations to counter those without even measure being able to measure the impact? So I think that you know whether it's how we roll out things, the speed and rate at which we roll out new technologies, or you know how we collaborate with governments, there's always going to be this gap, right? So working with large organizations to establish high-level ethical principles and evaluating technical risks collectively and cohesively, that that is the way that we need to move forward, at least today, with the technology that we have in front of us. What, are you, what do you think are some of the potential challenges or drawbacks of government involvement in AI regulation, and how do you think they can be mitigated? I mean, this balance, you know, we talk about this in really high terms of, you know, oh, you know, work with corporations, but mm-hmm. striking the right balance between what needs to be regulated and what can be allowed, who can be allowed to innovate, right, is a major challenge. And overrate regulation is my biggest fear, right? You're starting to see that in some areas where things are starting to sound really like they're being overregulated. Um, you know, Again, working with AI experts, industry stakeholders to craft policies, um, taking an iterative approach to regulation, maybe where we start off small and make adjustments faster, uh, are two ways that we could certainly start to mitigate some of these challenges as we walk through them. And I, I don't think there'll ever be a perfect balance, but really it's about how fast can you pivot, right? If you set a regulation that is over-regulating a certain technology and stunting innovation, are you going to let that sit for three years or are you going to try to move quickly to pivot within three to five months? Right. I think that's the balance that we need to figure out. Yeah. Um, what role do you think the public input and stakeholder engagement can play in shaping AI regulations to ensure they align with social values and needs? I think with everything in the public, you know, Obviously, you're not going to have the time or the energy to become an expert in any of these, but starting to develop and understand the risk when you give companies your data, um, trying to understand you know, how regulations work, how these technologies work at a very high level, reflecting on the expectations that you have as an individual, sharing those with your local governments, um, or engaging other stakeholders in your community if you know people that work in the AI space. Um, this is a group decision and it's going to be a complicated one and there is no right answer. So the more people that are educated that can provide input, in my opinion, the better. Yeah, I agree. And how do you think like international cooperation and collaboration play a role in regulating AI development across the borders? I think that, yeah, like we're kind of at a standards war right now of regulations between, you know, like what, the EU has and California and China and, you know, Russia. And so really, I think that we need to understand that data and technology is not isolated by geographic bounds. And at some point, there needs to be more of a global consensus in one way or another that helps to define standards and best practices to harmonize regulation across the world. Um, because these conflicting rules are going to become very quickly, and they already are so complex that what we're going to have to do is either restrict certain technologies to specific geographic areas or you know completely disregard them or have a huge amount of capital investment to you know 
and resources and technology, which only the top 1% of technology companies can do to meet the specific requirements for each organization or each country. Um, so I think that by you know, defining better globalized standards or international collaboration really enables this collective efforts in addressing a huge, a global problem, right? A huge challenge. Um, and ideally improving the quality of ethics and governance in AI. You know, it's, look, I, I think it's, it's going to be, uh, I think somebody will step up at some point, but I don't know that it just all of a sudden happens this year or even next year. I, I think this is yeah. going to take time. I mean, when you look at kind of the social, the way that social stuff happened, it took years, you know, before you saw the GDPR and, and things like that. So I think somebody will, and it's probably Europe, <laughs> or, you know, for sure China, you know, they, they control that stuff tightly anyways. But uh, it'll be, I think U.S. will be kind of last in that, in how they kind of restrict that kind of stuff and it, more for innovation. And I think that, you know, as I kind of think about this as, and I've been reading about it, is there's going to be billion dollar companies made on these kinds of, on on uh, large language model type things, right? AI building, you know, picks or, you know, chat GPTs, you know, doing your blogs and things like that, you know, and I think that, the other piece, not to get off completely, but you and I kind of talked about this on the pre-show, is companies and or, or or when you think about a chat GPT or something like that, and and your people are doing writing and pushing that out to their websites or the internet some way or somehow, you know, the way that Google kind of looks at that and indexes it and everything else, there's already bad information out there. I mean. When you put something out on chat GPT, it's not 100%, right? You know, it's, yeah. it's good stuff a little bit, but a lot of times it gives you bad information or just incorrect information. And so I can, it's already being swapped full of bad shit. <laughs> you know, on, uh, you know, people are putting that bad shit out there. And so, you know, I just can't imagine, you know, Google's going to have to change either algorithms or the way they ser do search or, you know, I don't know. But you mentioned something that, kind of I want to talk a little bit about and uh we could sum it up but it was Chris those businesses that are using the chat GPTs or large language models today they're already ahead of others because they're not using it talk a little bit about that quickly because I think it's a good ending to kind of what we we've been talking about and the hype is real you know what I mean yeah absolutely I mean I think that we're at this point of kind of arbitrage in the data space right of data generation where businesses that are adapting and using chat GPT to generate content or images or whatever else they're trying yeah. to create, they're at a competitive advantage where not every business has caught up, right? In our space, this is a common language now, but I think that if you talk to many businesses, how many are generating blog posts or images or new content on their websites? I think that the select individuals that are have this opportunity right now where they can grow their organic search rankings, grow their notoriety and popularity in a space quickly um, by using a lot of this generated content. And, yeah. um, you know, that's only going to happen for a finite amount of time before this window closes, right? I mean, in March, there were 1.6 billion queries on ChatGPT, hmm. right? If you just think about that scale, this thing is just taking off. Right. And that was an 160% increase from their usage in February. Right. So we are talking a scale of popularity where 
soon this will hit if it hasn't already hit critical mass. And at that point, information is, is that that information gap of creating new content quickly and moving quickly will just become a standard best practice. And in some ways it already has on the tech space. I think yeah. if we're thinking globally about every business, there's still a lot of opportunity to move forward quickly. Michael, really a great uh, Data Hurdles podcast today. Really appreciate your time. So thank you everyone for listening in to Data Hurdles. I'm Chris Detzel and... I'm Michael Burke. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review us. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>